Hi, I'm Dana. And I'm Faith. Welcome to Cool Cool Girl Girl Convos, where we are just two girls who think the other one is way cooler than we actually are in real life. We are a variety show where we'll be talking about The Office, Enneagram, Life, reviewing books, media, old and new, little fires everywhere, Harry Potter, something different every single week. So, little backstory on our name. Um, We are not the coolest people you'll ever meet. However, debatable. Perhaps. However, we each thought the other person was the coolest person that they had ever met when we first met, which was six years ago now. Yeah, six years ago. Yeah. So, six years ago, I had moved to West Virginia. And I knew nobody and I was helping out. My husband and I were helping out with our soccer camp our church puts on. Uh, My husband was working there as a youth pastor and not knowing anyone, I just said, put me wherever you need me. And they placed me with the fourth and fifth grade girls where I saw this cool girl in aviator shades, um, just young. And she was actually the instructor that showed all of the kids skills. So I knew she was skilled. She was cool looking. um, And she's just has a naturally intimidating face. So needless to say, very cool. I was, I was excited. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. I, when I first um, had done all the skills, I thought I was like the biggest nerd (laughs) and like terrible. So when you had told me that I was like, Oh my gosh, well, I did guess I did better than I thought. But um, I had seen Dana um, from like across the way because I needed a co-coach because I think my co-coach was like not around anyway. And they um, like pointed Dana over in my direction. And I was like, is way too cool and you it's funny you mentioned the aviator glasses because you had on sunglasses with like pink shades and I was like oh my gosh that yes, she is way yes. too cool and I knew that you had just gotten married and I wasn't married yet so I was like oh my gosh she's got cool shades and she's married like my goals the things that we think are so cool I love I know, it I know so another thing uh, that we have in common and which we initially wanted to call this podcast we are big office lovers the office Um, forever and always. And we actually wanted to, one of our favorite quotes uh, is when the main character is in emotional pain and just starts hurting everywhere and just says a random quote of legs. So we initially wanted to call this podcast legs. However, perhaps that may be misleading as well, we can't just call podcast legs. Yeah. They might think that our podcast is about the anatomy of legs or like pants. I don't know. I know something, but (laughs) So we were deterred from that, but the sub name will this will be legs forever and always. Yes. It's like cool girl convos and then legs as the sub subtitle. So since our first meeting, we have had just awesome chemistry. Um, we have always loved talking about movies, about books, um, the office, of course. Um, when we met, it was, the show was unfortunately was over, but, uh, we still have let it live long with all of the memes. Yes. Um, so talking about starting a podcast, because um, we so enjoy talking and we enjoy talking about lots of different topics. And that's kind of an intro of what this will be is a variety show. Lots of different topics. Obviously, we'll be talking about The Office, ranking our favorite shows, characters, seasons, that kind of stuff. Um, another thing that we're both really passionate about is the Enneagram. Yes, we definitely um, love 
um, the Enneagram, we think it's so interesting. And how I first, I guess, heard about the Enneagram was, I think I saw it on Instagram initially. And I thought it was interesting because I know we've talked about this, but we both love um, like Myers-Briggs and and personality tests. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we, you know, I think, I don't, I, I think we're speaking um, I'm speaking for both of us when we say we immediately heard about it and we were like, ooh, that sounds so interesting because we already love yes, that. Yes, Um, So I had initially um, kind of just read a little bit about it and then typed myself based on the test. And then since that point, I am a little bit more unsure about what my type is. But Dana, I, I know you have a more like um, better understanding of what type you are and stuff. So, And that's one of the things that we'll talk about is that this, we'll get into it more later, um, but it is a tool and, you know, tools don't always work exactly perfect fit for everyone. Um, but a little bit about us as individuals. Um, my name's Dana, like I said, I'm 28 and I am a physician assistant in the ER. Um, I have a 10 month old daughter, a husband, two um, rambunctious dogs that are almost ruining this. <laughs> And a cat. And those are kind of general facts 101 about my life. Yeah. And I'm, like I said, I'm Faith and I'm 25. I'm married to Tyler. I have um, I have one dog that lives with me, Lola. She's um, going to be 15 in October. I love her till the end of my days. <laughs> little lowly, little sweetie. <laughs> little tiny sweetie. And then I have two dogs that live with my parents, but I still consider them my own, um, Piper and Olive. So... Um, I think I like as a job, I work in the insurance industry, but um, it can be interesting, but it's not the not the topic for today <laughs> for another day, for another day. save that little morsel for another day. <laughs> so like we had said earlier, this show will feature a variety of things. Um, a lot of things we like doing is just discussing the ins and outs of things. Um, Harry Potter series, new series, catchy series, Netflix. Um, or um, books versus movies, that kind of things. We've all really uh, enjoyed so much of that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So first little series we will do is on the Enneagram, actually. And as Faith uh, was talking about, the Enneagram is a tool. Um, and if you've never heard the Enneagram, well, I, f- I feel like you live under a rock because yeah. it's kind of a big a big thing now. Yeah, you definitely need to come out of the rock. Rock. <laughs> Um, but the Enneagram, it is a tool that was created by Don Rizzo and Russ Hudson in 1997. Yeah, and um, they, I guess they had like coined um, just it more, they had nailed down more of the attributes of the Enneagram and what it is. I, I did read that it has... Um, ancient roots which is interesting but I don't think it like had a name or I don't think people really like used it as much as they do today as far as um like using it for growth also I think it's probably good to say that we're not as experts at all and um but we do find it really interesting so if you disagree with something we say a lot of it is just our own personal experience and research but anyway so definitely not as experts but we just really enjoy um talking about it Agree. Um, So like we had said, it is a tool to use. Um, It features nine distinct personalities. And the idea that we have one true personality um, that's 
the basis of most of our actions, our desires, our fears. Yeah, our core motivation is what, yeah, is is each each type. And the purpose of this is to understand why we act and react the way we do, understand our actions, what's behind them, where we're strong and weak and move towards growth in our lives, as well as understanding others better. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's been such a cool tool to use in um, just our relationships with, I mean, ourselves, with our husbands, with friends and things like that, just to get to know them better and, you know, what motivates them, what motivates us. It's definitely been a cool um, relational tool. One of the things I love about these personality tests and tools is that it really helps you under not only understand others better, but love them better and figure out what matters to them when things totally don't matter to you. So when I was in college, I was a resident assistant with five other women, and I remember taking the Myers-Briggs test, and it was totally, my personality was totally the literal opposite of two of the other girls. And I remember the things that we went over that were important to them were things I don't care about at all. And so I think <laughs> the big thing with this test is looking what, like Faith and I are not the same number. So when Faith talks about things, when she expresses desires, fears, concerns, I can, although I may not relate and I might not think that's important, I'm able to support her as a friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say that's one of the most important um, aspects of the Enneagram is just understanding each other better and how to kind of relate and then empathize with them. And the thing I, from the backlash that I've had about the Enneagram, which the two people I'm thinking of are both eights and eights get a bad rap. So the idea that you can't put anyone into a box and that's not what we're trying to do. That's not what this tool does, but it basically gets down to a motivation of why you are the way you are. Obviously, there's a lot of fluidity in this test, unlike other tests, um, which we'll get into. There's different wings you can have. There's different in gross, seasons of growth and seasons of stress. You kind of revert to certain negative qualities. So it is very fluid, and you have to remember that. Um, yeah, and the fluidity of this particular um, typing system is what kind of drew me to the Enneagram because I don't like to necessarily be put in a box. And so you have your core motivation number and then you can pull from different numbers depending on if they're um, beside, you know, your core number or um, like Dana said, in seasons of stress and growth. So um, you're not just, nobody's just one thing. And that's why this test is, or not test, that's why this system is, is so interesting and um, why we love it so much. So the core motivations, the system Enneagram is based up on nine numbers. Number is used because it's a neutral value. One is not less or better than a six. To kind of start, um, we wanted to just to talk about um, the motivations um, behind, I guess the motivations behind each number and kind of what that means. So each number is going to represent a core motivation. Um, so just for as an example, a two, um, their motivation behind an action is to be loved and wanted. They want to feel um, helpful and loved and needed, and they're willing to help generally anybody and everybody. A two is commonly referred to as the helper for that reason. So that's just kind of a brief example. I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, and then the basic fear and desire of each subtype. The basic fear and desire of each number is 
pretty self-explanatory. I mean, each one has one thing that they strive towards, and obviously their fear is something that they put everything against to prevent that. So then another kind of term used in Enneagram is the deadly sin and the great struggle. So each number has a deadly sin that they struggle with, and each triad, which we'll mention soon, has a struggle behind their motivation. So a four's deadly sin is envy, and four's in the heart triad, meaning that their great struggle is shame. So speaking of triads. Yeah, so uh, there are three different triads in the Enneagram. There's the heart triad, the body triad, and the head triad. And so we're actually going to be talking about the heart triad today, which are two, three, and four. But there's these three groupings within the Enneagram that determine how we perceive the world and um, absorb information, take in information, and kind of react um, so just kind of a brief overview, the, there's the, um, body and action triad is eight, nine, and one. The head and thinking triad is five, six, and seven. And as we had just mentioned, we're going to be doing the heart or feeling triad, which is two, three, and four. Um, the body triad numbers are more instinctual and kind of aware of their physical position. Um, the head triad focuses on planning, observing, and learning to make decisions. And then the heart triad, um, kind of it, this one seems the most self-explanatory i think it relies on their emotional intelligence first uh, in order to make decisions so within each of these numbers we'll also go over healthy and unhealthy at their best what is this number what are healthy characteristics and then at its worst what are the characteristics so like in a two for example an unhealthy two can look completely different than a healthy two an unhealthy two might help someone to get something in return however a healthy two helps because they want to show love so it's just a way to kind of guard yourself and self-check and say, are my motivations healthy or unhealthy? And then with each of those things, there's called wings. Basically, again, the fluidity of the Enneagram, when you are kind of one number, you either tilt to the right or left, which is the number below it or above it, um, which kind of just is another part of your personality. Again, the whole thing is fluid. But this is kind of like a wing, they call it. So you might be a two wing one, which looks completely different than a two wing three. Yeah. And I think the the important thing to note with wings or one of the important things is the core motivation of somebody like Dana had mentioned with the two motivation of wanting to help the one gives a completely different, it totally changes, um, their actions. It totally changes their actions. And we'll go into that a little bit, um, and kind of give some examples of how that looks different. Um, so this is kind of going really in depth, but um, this is something that I think is very interesting. Within each core motivation, you can have the wings, but there's also um, subtypes, stances, and instinctual variants. So essentially, um, there's three subtypes. Um, there's self-preservation, social, and sexual, and they also call sexual one-to-one -one just because it's a um, it's based on you know intimacy with with one person. Um, we all have all three but um, they're kind of stacked. So we're going to have a most dominant instinct. Um, the others are going to follow um, after that. But um, there's the stances, which are aggressive, dependent, and withdrawn. And we can talk about this with each specific number once we get into actually looking at the numbers. But um, 
three, seven, and eight are considered an aggressive stance, which isn't a bad thing. Um, that's I think we we tend to like look at aggressive to be bad, but right. that's yeah, but that's not what that means. It's just that they're more willing to speak their mind, which um, is a good thing because um, on the opposite hand, you know, four, five, and nine are withdrawn, and oftentimes they don't want to speak their mind, so they fall behind. And then one, six, and two are dependent. So it just depends on the situation how they would react to certain things um, or if they would speak up or not. The dynamic nature of the Enneagram is vast and that's why some twos will look completely different than other twos because their subtype might be different. Their wing might be different depending on the situation. They might pick up on their growth and stress numbers traits. So remember as we go over general overview. Some people like myself fit a number very, very to a T. Some people like Faith are not that way. They don't fit quite neatly. The, the whole purpose is that you have great qualities from all of the numbers, but you kind of have one general core number. Yes, definitely. So right now I think would be a great time to take a break. So just listen to this quick, short commercial, grab a drink, and we will be back shortly. We will be back. dive deep into the heart triad, which is two, three, and four. So we're going to go ahead and kind of start with two. Um, so the two is called the helper, or I believe it's called the lover as well. I think I read that somewhere. Um, the basic motivation for this type, and we've, we've kind of talked a lot about um, the two and given quite a few examples. So some of this might be um, kind of reiterated, but, um, the basic motivation for this type is to, um, be loved, wanted, and needed, um, and to show others that they are loved, wanted, and needed. Um, they're typically pretty others focused. And then Dana, I know that, um, we have different ideas of what a two is. So I thought we could talk about some generally accepted qualities that, um, you know, maybe fit more, more often twos than fit them more often than not. Um, so what have you, like, what do you think of when you think of a two? Um, so one of the things on the Enneagram Institute, which is where we got a lot of information, ton of information, and the two guys, um, Rizzo and Hudson actually wrote multiple books. Um, so feel free to look at those more. But one of the things they said is this is the most people-oriented type. Um, they're most oriented and focused on others. And so when I think of that, I think you always know there's a person who's literally always willing to help. And they use the example, the first person to show up, the last person to leave. It's setting up events. Oh, that's Does a, anyone that's need really to go good. out and get supplies? They're that person usually. Yeah, that's really good. I would, I would definitely agree. I think generally when people think of the Enneagram, the two is um, thought of as like the, the most helpful, the most kind, the most loving, which is definitely, um, I think there's some merit to that, but also other numbers can obviously be kind and helpful and loving too. But that's, I think generally like the general consensus of what a two typically looks like. And a two also has, I mean, the Enneagram, all of these qualities are not negative. All the numbers are not negative and positive. However, twos, I would say has a positive connotation. When you meet I a agree. person and they're like, I'm a two, you're like, oh, oh that's so nice. It's like the Lord. I know. <laughs> you must be a servant of the Lord. <laughs> 
Yes. So like they have a very positive connotation, I think. Yeah. And I think it's kind of easy um, because they are, like we had mentioned, they are, they are dependent on, like they're a dependent stance. So it just depends on the situation they're in. But more often than not, they're going to be like seen as the the nice ones or the most helpful ones. So their basic desire is to feel love and their basic fear is to be unwanted or not needed. Something that really upsets a two is when someone says, I can do it myself, even if there's no malice behind the statement. Twos want to be involved and make sure that they are helpful and that they're adding something to the situation. Yeah, I like that you said that they're trying to add something to the situation because that's I feel like that's exactly what it is. Like they want to make sure that um, they're perceived as helpful. Agree, agree. Um, so we had mentioned twos are in the heart triad. So they're going to follow first with their emotional intelligence. Um, so when they kind of walk into a room, they're going to make choices and react based on like how they read the room, if that makes sense. Um, so the way they absorb information is is really a lot of based on feeling. Um, the, the heart triad's great struggle is shame. So that's kind of an underlying um, thing within the heart triad. These three next numbers, they're greatest struggle at the root of it is shame, um, which we'll go over what the others are in the next weeks, but just keep that underlining with all three of the numbers that we go over. Um, their underlying emotion and feeling to stay away from is that shame. Yeah. That's what they want to. Yeah. You, you said it exactly right. I feel like that was a great way to say it. They want to stay away from that, even though they feel that most strongly, which is hard, <laughs> but so I think, um, the next thing would be the deadly sin. So, um, so the the deadly sin of a two is considered pride, and I think it's it's important for us to say that all numbers and all people are going to struggle with all of these things at some point in their life. But um, pride is the one that sticks out most for the two, and um, we we were reading, and we think this is is why is a lot of the time. Um, when when people put expectations on somebody like oh they're the most helpful they're the most kind um they're you know the like Dana said the the first to be there and the last to leave um that can sometimes translate into pride for a two because they might start to see themselves in the same way um and it's not that would be an unhealthy case obviously so going off of what you said um at their unhealthiest Twos use that need to be needed to manipulate others to get something. It doesn't necessarily always come from a bad place, but it's something they use to get the love from the people they think they may not be getting it from. So they manipulate something to work for them. They'll text first because they want the other person to ask about them. They might hint at something because they don't want to be super direct because that might make them unlovable, but they do want to be needed and asked about. They're the dependent stance, so it really depends on the situation whether they're willing to speak their mind or not. Yeah, I yeah, for sure. And I think um whenever like you had said um, they might text first. They are really, they want to know about you too, but I think they're like seeking that, oh, I want to know about them, but I hope they want to know about me. And I think it comes down to like the, just the core motivation that they want to feel like they are important and, and necessary to the world and to their people. And I think it's that they want to feel important for what they bring to someone. So twos are very much, um, what I bring to a situation makes me important. And their biggest fear is someone saying, you don't bring anything to this situation and you're not needed. Yeah. So like in a group project, twos are the ones that are like, no, 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 I'll put it all together. Well, sometimes it's 
a different number being a control freak, but yes. twos are the ones who will <laughs> twos are the ones who will do anything to help. Um, another thing about an unhealthy two at its worst is they get very angry if people if they don't feel appreciated. Yeah, they can get resentful. I would say yeah. yes, yes, yeah, and I think some of the unhealthy traits of a two and. Um, depending on, you know, what they, which number they're pulling from, um, they can become kind of like snippy. And I think that like directly correlates with the resentment that they feel because they don't feel like they're appreciated. So then they start getting snippy, like, um, they're, they're not seen as like, I don't know if you're doing like, if, if they're doing a chore and it's not, they don't, they're, it's not directly told to them that they're appreciated, then they can get like, snippy I guess another thing with the twos that I have seen in my life um is they can help people to the point of their downfall so the twos I know want to help so many people at a time that they actually kind of neglect their people um so it would be like you know if someone if like your neighbor needed something but you know you have your grandmother's birthday it's like, well, my neighbor needs her lawnmower and she asked me to do it right now. Like, I, 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 I can't not say no. Um, and so you end up kind of spreading yourself too thin sometimes and you let down your people that are most important to you because you want to be loved by everyone. You can't face the rejection of that one person. And so I think it's almost to a fault their best qualities um, in their unhealthiest state. Yeah, do you think that twos... Um do you think the spreading themselves too thin? I know that um, me personally, I don't believe that I'm a two, but the people that I love most, I know they're always going to be there. So when you spread yourself too thin, like, do you think that goes along with, well, they're always going to be there. So I need to help this person because I can neglect them for now because they'll be there when I get home. Oh, that's a good point. They know they're secure, you know, like if it's their family or their spouse, it's like, well, I know that I'm, that I'm loved by you and I know that's secure. So I need to work on like the, that's a good point. Maybe like the other relationships in my life. Kind of yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I was, that's something I just thought of, um, which I know I don't believe that I'm a two, but I definitely relate to, to that. Um, so that's the unhealthiest, but twos at their healthiest, which we've kind of talked about, they are helpful. They are unselfish. They're giving with no expectations in return. And like I said, they're the most people oriented type. You really, um, I know that's the thing I see in twos is their desire to constantly help, um, to drop anything at any time. And so really at their healthiest, they don't have any expectations and they don't try to manipulate people with their help basically. Yeah. They, yeah, you're, I think that's exactly right. They just want to make sure people know that they're appreciated. Like other people know that they're appreciated. Okay. So, um, we had br briefly talked about wings and, um, the wings of a two, I think Dana had said that it's the number above and below. So in this case, um, the wings of a two on either side would be a one or a three. So, a one wing, and I want to say too, I am using a lot of research that I've done has come from two specific um, Instagrams at nine types co and at Enneagram.life. So a lot of this information um, came from the Enneagram Institute and then some Instagrams that we follow from Enneagram coaches. But um, the, a two with a one wing um, will add a lot of emotional stability to the two because the two leads first with emotional intelligence. So a one is in the, like the gut triad. So it'll kind of balance that out. Um, 
it says on this Enneagram.life um, post about a two-wing one that they are the person that you want um, on your team. They're the they're typically the most faithful, most responsible, most helpful, and um, they would just be a really good asset to a like a, a team project or, or work or something like that's, that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like a two-wing one is that person... On, in a group project who not only says, I want to make sure everything gets done, but in a fair way, because they have that one wing, they say, well, I want to, I want to do everything for everyone, but Hey, what's, what's the best way you can do this so that it's fair for everybody. That's where that oneness I think yes. adds to the two. I agree. And ones I've, um, I had originally typed myself as a one. So, um, I, I think what I pulled out from, which we will go into one at some point in the future, but generally highly detailed, efficient, perfectionist so that coupled with the two wanting to help is kind of like the group leader I feel like the group leader that everybody would want or like a good team member yes agree agree um and then the two wing three so a two with a three wing um they will add a competitive drive and we're going to talk about three in a minute but they're Threes are competitive. So they are going to add the competitive drive to a twos um kind of others first mentality. So, um, they, I would say they would, this two wing three specifically would fall into like, I want to help the most and I want to do the most. And I think that that's with a two as well, but that is heightened because it's a competitive element. So when you add that three wing, it's like, I want to be hyper helpful and like super helpful. I agree. That's, that's accurate. So then going off of the when we talked earlier, subtypes, stances, variants. Um, so a self-preservation to sacrifices their own needs in order to meet the needs of others. Um, however, eventually they can become resentful and tend towards this martyrdom. Like, oh, woe to me. Um, childlike and innocent, yet self-protective, and they don't want to depend on anyone. When they're unhealthy, they feel entitled and self-important, self-indulgent and aggressive. And we talked about that aggression, that resentfulness of I'm not being appreciated and woe to me because I do so much. Yeah. And I think what we had here, this was from Nine Types Co. Instagram, but this is also the unhealthy, like, version of a self-preservation too because that all sounded kind of mean you know what I mean like what what we wrote down but that's that is I think a lot of the Enneagram this might be something we cut out but I think a lot of the Enneagram is easy to tell what you are based on where you go in stress because that's like more apparent I guess um so next we want to talk about the subtypes which we had kind of talked about briefly but there's three subtypes for each um you know core motivation type so um there's a self-preservation social and sexual or one-to-one type and um with the two the self-preservation type is motivated by getting their needs met um self-preservation types are kind of concerned with material comfort and that's not necessarily a bad thing um but they're just highly aware of um where they sit kind of in a room and where they fall um the social two is motivated by being indispensable so um social twos are often the most they're the most charismatic two because they do um they're most concerned with others if that makes sense and then the one-to-one or sexual too, is motivated by finding intimate connection. And I thought this was super um, interesting just to note about the um, 
one to one to the sexual to they want to win the affection of others so um like that intimacy with a partner or with a friend is kind of the number one thing so and this comes directly from nine types co instagram they want to find their best friend or person and lose themselves in that relationship um they can begin to take up hobbies or interests of that person and can talk about the relationship at length um and when they're unhealthy, that that can become obsessive. But um, generally, like they want to look for that um, connection, which is not a bad thing. It's it's a very True. human thing. A lot of us want to find like our person for life, and you know. So, so then some common misconceptions about twos. Um, one, we will not every two is going to look the same. Um, so when we talked about it before, not all twos are pushovers. And not all twos are extrovert. You think about helping someone, um, you know, you think about that person that's always like, yeah, 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 let me do this. In fact, I think of twos as introverted. Um, the two, I agree. Two, the two twos that I actually know, though, are extroverted, but I think of twos more as that behind the scenes person. Yes. Because they don't, if they're healthy, they don't need that recognition. Um, and so, you know, oh, not that's all such twos. A good point. I love that. Yeah. So not all twos are extroverted. Um, Twos can be quiet, demanding, or loud. It just depends on the person, the wing, the stance, the subtype, um, et cetera. But also, I like the point that they're not all pushovers. Um, Because, you know, we'll talk about nine, which is a common, it's similar to twos. um, But these two get the the biggest rap for being pushovers because Mm -hmm. they'll help someone to their fault, which we talked about earlier. So um, that's kind of a common misconception. So any other... I don't know, I guess big things about twos that you've seen faith in the twos that you know, or what are some qualities that you admire in a two and you wish that you had more of? Oh, that's a good question. I think um, a lot of the time I get, what I really admire about two, I get um, lazy and I want to say yes, but a lot of the time I'm just like, oh, but I really want more to sit on the couch and watch the office or whatever. So I think I could definitely use more motivation to help people. Although I do like helping people, but I think something, this is how I know I'm not a two, my, um, willingness to help somebody kind of depends on the person. Like if it's, if it's oh, like, 100%. Yeah, yeah. If it's like my husband or like a friend that I love, like, of course I'm going to drop everything to help them. But if it's not like one of my people, I'm going to be more hesitant to help. And I think that's a yeah. d- distinct difference that a two is willing to help no matter how they feel oh, about somebody. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, similar. No, I agree with that. I think also that a two, um, is very concerned that they are unlovable if they do not help someone. And I think sometimes I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, like, I need to. Obviously, yeah. like, that's a flaw. Like, you know, if I'm not seen as helpful, I'm like, well, there's worse things well. to be. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, that's something that I can work towards mm-hmm. is saying, how can I be less self-absorbed? And I do. Like, healthy twos are very humble, at their best. So I think that's something to strive for in the personality of a two. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, So we will go ahead and move on to type three. Um, So type three is known as the achiever or the performer. And the core motivation for this type um, is to be successful and to be seen as successful by others. So I think threes are just so interesting because their motivation is tied to how they're perceived by others, but they're also action oriented and they tie their worth directly 
to their actions and how they perform, but also how people see them. So I just think they're like, that's so, so interesting to me, but um, anyway, generally accepted qualities, I think. So we think of threes. I think the first thing we think of is like a career person. Um, they're thought to be very charismatic, concerned with their image, successful in everything that they try. So again, they're equated with business, being a workaholic. Um, but there's a lot more to that success definition. You know, so what we're also seeing is stay-at-home moms, dads, part-time workers, um, people who don't necessarily have a corporate ladder to reach they still have this success. I mean, you're going to see that a lot in those positions where there is a corporate ladder, um, you know, but it's not, that's not the extent of threes. Yeah. I think that's some of the biggest thing. Like we, I think we do a disservice to a lot of threes because we typically equate them with like work settings, but that's not always true. And success for, you know, maybe a business person or an entrepreneur would be to climb the corporate ladder or to like sell a certain amount or like sell themselves as far as like business goes, you know, like influencers and stuff like that. But success for like a stay at home mom or dad would look totally different than success for like a business person. And so like success for um, like a stay at home mom or dad might be um, making sure their kids are taken care of for that day and like to do certain activities with them. I don't know. I'm probably missing a lot of it, but no, 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 that's, that's a good point. Um, and also just influencers. So threes like to be influencers, but they like to be one successful at something and good at something, but then get other people on board. And that's one of the best qualities about a three um, yes. is that they are influencers and they get people to do that. So they're basic at their base, their basic desire is to feel valuable and their basic fear is to be unworthy or to fail actually. Yeah. Which I just, I don't know. I think threes are so interesting. I'm also married to one, so we can go into that later, but I just think threes are cool. But, um, so threes are in the heart triad is like the other numbers we're going to talk about today. And so they follow first with their emotions. Um, they, I would say they're the least emotional generally of the twos, threes, and fours, or they maybe put it, they don't like carry it on their sleeve as much. Would you say? Actually on the, um, that Enneagram Institute, they said they're most out of tune with their shame. Um, basically, they just try to put, they just try to succeed and use that to kind of deny shame. Like cover so it they up. Are, yeah. So they're most out of tune with that, that fear and that shame. Um, yeah. And to directly go along, like right after that, like you said, the great struggle is shame. And that's like kind of an underlying factor they're always going to struggle with because they're not in tune with their emotions. Um, but uh, so a three is sometimes called a chameleon because they are, I, I would think maybe the best in generally in all of the Enneagram in reading a room and they're called the chameleon because they can transform themselves to whoever they're talking to in the moment, which sounds bad, but I don't think it's necessarily bad if you're healthy. If you're a healthy three, you're transforming yourself to make sure that people feel um, like you are cheering them on or that they are, you know, they're worthy. Um, like you said, they're th- threes at their best. They're super good cheerleaders and they want everybody to succeed with them. Um, and if you think in a business world, you know, your target audience is never the same. I, I mean, I know, again, I'm using the stereotypical three, but we think of a salesperson, your audience is never the same. So you have to be willing to adapt to that. And that's what I think such a good is point. a good thing with threes is they can say, okay, what, what, um, 
are important to the people around me and how can I get in well with them, basically. Again, can go either way. can be used for deceit, but can also be used to develop good relationships. Yeah, exactly. And deceit is considered their... Um their deadly sin that's assigned to threes and and like with the two even if the intent is not bad um deceiving others um by suggesting you agree to make them feel comfortable whether like that's not a bad thing but it is still deceit because you're yeah which is interesting um yeah such an interesting concept um and again like we all struggle with all of these this is just the one that's assigned most to a three because of their nature so at their best and healthiest, they're the biggest cheerleaders for their friends. Um, they influence people to do things. Um, we actually have a, uh, one of our best friends is a three. Um, and I would say she is a successful, uh, the company Gigi Pip Hats. Yes. She's a successful Gigi Pip hat owner and she got both of us into that. She has yes. influenced us in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are slowly building our collections, but she has, I think every hat except for like one. And so like yeah. at her best, she is a cheerleader for us. When we get new hats, we text her and we get excited. We wear them together. Yes. Um, and so that's what threes are at their best. Yeah. So at their most unhealthiest, so they're self-focused. Um, and also their image, they're very image conscious. You always, you will always guarantee that you will have a good Instagram photo with a three. Threes do not take bad Instagram that's photos. So true. They I have the that. right presets. They mm-hmm. have the right backgrounds. You know, threes are the people that do not take bad pictures yeah. because of the fact, you know, that it's image, that it's image conscious. Um and again, that can be good or bad depending on the intention and why. They are charismatic and can easily read the room. They know what someone needs after talking with them for a short time. Um, so, you know, while we said that twos are sometimes manipulative, I think the the unhealthy word would be deceitful for threes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so we're going to talk about wings now. And um, the wings on either side of a three are a two and a four. And a two wing brings some balance to the three, making them more others focused. I think typically a three is um, maybe when when unhealthy or just maybe at like neutral, they're more um, concerned with their success. But with two, like that brings a super helpful um, nature to the three. And they're maybe that they're less competitive and makes them even more of a cheerleader. Um, The three wing two specifically. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then the four wing, which we're going to go into four in a minute, but um, a four wing makes threes more emotionally in touch and creative because I think we're going to go into this, but I think fours generally get the most, like the most emotional award of the Enneagram. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes the four wing makes threes more, you know, emotionally in touch and, and pull from the creative aspects of four. So um, the three subtypes, as far as the three goes, um, the self-preservation three is motivated by creating security for themselves. Again, this is from Nine Types Co. Instagram. Um, And this is considered um, the least three-ish, three. So it's considered the counter type. Um, It says threes are vain about not being vain. So they want to be seen as moral, good, and modest to the point that their threeness may not even be apparent, which is interesting because that goes directly against like the natural um, form of a three that we think of, but that just goes to show that this is so fluid and that all threes can look different. All numbers can look different. Right, right. Um, The social three is motivated by being the best. So um, I think social threes are like they're the ones who know everybody in the room and they are most competitive. So they really do want to reach the the top 
um, of every of like over everybody. Um, and then the one to one three or the sexual three is motivated by being the most attractive um, to either their person or like their partner. Um, and attractive doesn't mean like physically attractive. It could mean any version of attractive. Like if they want to be the best, um, the best like wife or husband, or if they want to be the best, I don't know. What are some other examples would you say? I just think of when you post a bikini pic on Insta and you want the most likes for it. Like that is the essence of like a, a sexual three, I guess. Yeah. Um, is wanting to be, and again, that's just physical attraction, but I feel like that's, you know, that in, in essence kind of. Yeah, I agree. Um, so kind of some common misconceptions about threes, they're not all obsessed with their image. Like we said, it doesn't have to always be, um, you know, they don't always wear a certain brand of clothes or this or that. They don't always have these cool tattoos. Um, but the three, most of the threes that I know um, are, I guess. And so, again, so cool. That's not a, that is not a bad thing to be image obsessed. Um, you know, again, the fluidity of the Enneagram, mm -hmm. everything can be a double-edged sword. Um, but I think that, you know, we think of threes, we think of image and success. Um, yeah. So Faith, like being married to a three, what do you think are Tyler's best qualities of a three? And what do you think of some of the hardest to, I guess, be married to? Well, I, first I want to say that I actually read um, my husband, Tyler, the, um, the information that I just kind of read about the self-preservation three. And he was like, oh, I can totally see that in myself. So I think um, with Tyler, he um, really works. He's such a hard worker and he wants to do it, um, successfully and well. And he almost, um, like will work, work, work until it's done the proper way. And I think, you know, something that's an amazing quality, but I think something that's kind of hard and we struggle with is, um, like chores, like, first of all, I'm bad at doing chores and Tyler's amazing at doing chores, but, um, but, um, he would rather him do it and do it well than me kind of like do it like in half, butt it, I guess. So anyway, that's kind of difficult, but that's yes. just, that's just a simple kind of thing. But I think another thing, like you were saying, Tyler works so hard. I think you've said like, you know, Tyler has said to you that he wants to work to the point like he wants to work so much to the point where he pays off the house and like you wouldn't have to work if you don't want to. And like that's yeah. not even something that is on your radar right now, but that Tyler would say that to you because that's a goal that he has and he's going to do it. Yeah, that's true. Like they're very goal oriented. And once they set their mind on something, they're going to like make sure that's um, make sure they get it done. On to the fours. So I actually don't have a lot of experience with fours. Um I don't know. I don't think I know personally any fours. I've definitely read the descriptions and I can think of some people are fours or, you know, people that post and they're like, I'm a four. And I'm like, well, the little that I know you, like that sounds, you know, accurate, I guess. So a four is called the individualist. So they are called that because their core motivation is to find their truest self, be the most unique and that they are the most uncommon number on the Enneagram, which they love. Fours love being fours. Yes, fours <laughs> love being fours because there's not a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and they always feel that something is missing within them. And I think they're, so it's kind of unique how there's a definite pin motivation of all the other numbers, but fours, 
it's kind of a general, like they want to be their truest self. That That's not defined easily. It's just, they're afraid yeah. that they're not significant. So they're big at one of their, um, their fears is that they have no significance. And obviously they're not only do they want to find their truest self, but they want to be loved and accepted for that, to be that. Yeah. And I think um, my initial like thought about the four is that they're, um, they're, they tend to be the most creative. And I, and what I think of is like musically creative, they paint, they draw, they do all these creative things, but um, not all fours are going to be, artists or um they can be artists in their own way um but i think that they get kind of a bad rap for being highly emotional and unbalanced um but when we go into we're going to talk about it in a little bit but they're at their healthiest i think they can be the most emotionally balanced so they are in the heart triad um and they are the ones that are most emotionally like faith said emotionally in tune emotionally unbalanced emotional intelligence is highest they make choices based on their feelings or emotions first, and they absorb information based on feeling. So how did someone say that to me? It wasn't what they said. How did they say it to me? How? Yeah. Um, and their great struggle is shame again, um, and their great their great sin is envy. Uh, this is an interesting part of force because they typically, they aren't typically envious of what material things or gifts that people have, but they're envious of people who are truly content in who they are and would love to be content in who they are, but they always feel like they're never enough and that something is missing in their core. I think that is the most interesting thing because when, when I think of envy, I think of like, oh, I'm, I'm jealous of like, um, like that they can sing or I'm jealous that they have this like nice, like piece of clothing or something like that but they're since their core motivation is to know who they are they get envious of the other numbers who are completely confident in who they are it which is so interesting i don't know yeah that is definitely odd um so in being an unhealthy fours um <laughs> i was listening to the uh there's a brief description of them again on the enneagram institute.com but he said that at their unhealthiest fours like to squeeze every ounce of drama out of a situation that they can. Um, they will get so, so caught up in emotions that they will stay there. They will have a pity party and they will make sure that everybody attends and they will stay there for a very long time. Um, they also use their create, they dwell in their pain. So they become self-obsessed. Um, they don't move past it. Like I said, they just kind of dwell in that. Whereas on the opposite end of the spectrum, healthy fours um, acknowledge their pain and use it to grow. And I think that's something that as a seven, again, we'll talk about it later, but seven, um, one of our fears is to just, we just don't like dealing with negative emotions or like yeah. thinking about them. And so I envy this because I am not very in tune with those difficult emotions and I don't process them a lot. Whereas a four you know, at their best, they process it. They're not afraid of it. And they sometimes even use it like, again, stereotype, but they use it to create, to create yeah. the art, to create music. Um, they use that to motivate themselves further. I love that. I, um, 
I definitely, now that we're on the last of this, the heart triad, I definitely resonate with the heart triad, most of all of the different triads, I think. And I do resonate. I am, when I'm at my unhealthiest or I'm in a season of stress, I definitely tend to dwell. Like I am the definition of a dweller. Um, so I definitely <laughs> relate to that. Um, but I think the important thing is that they like, they can dwell, you can dwell on stuff for a little bit, of course. And then, but like you said, like use it to grow. That's like the ultimate goal for a healthy four. Okay. So as far as wings go for a four on either side, there's a three and a five. And so we've talked about the three, um, kind of at length. So I think, um, with four wing three, they are going to struggle with the people pleasing nature. Um, and then also, I think it's it's like, it's going to war against each other. Threes want to like, they want to impress people with their image and fours want to be uniquely themselves. So there's like kind of war against each other. So that would, that would be really hard. I think a four wing three, because at their heart, they want to know themselves, but they also, the three wing makes them want to be seen a certain way. So that's, I've always thought that was kind of interesting. A rare breed is a four, but then to be a four wing three, uh, the rarest would be, (laughs) it is a unicorn in itself. Yeah. And then, um, the four wing five, um, they're, I would say they are the most um, thoughtful of all of the Enneagram just because they're typically quieter because we'll talk about it in a later episode, but fives are super quiet and that's that's typical. But um, I think they're called the, the daydreamer, like that specific, like four wing five is like just a daydreamer and they um, they have, I think the five also brings some emotional depth to the four or like some emotional balance to the four because where fours might be super dwellers, uh, a fives in the head tried they're thinking so they can like really process through those emotions a lot quicker maybe. So a four has a withdraw. So they are more apt to withdraw and not speak their mind. A self-preservation four seems very unemotional because they keep it under wraps. They're aware of what's going on around them. They are long suffering with great emotional strength, but they tend to get disengaged to get their work done. When unhealthy, self-preservation force spend beyond their means and are compulsive, self-indulgent, and ruled by whims. Social force think that they do not fit in, but also love that they are unique. They are more sociable, but also feel more socially awkward inwardly than they seem. Comparison and envy are very hard for them. They aren't measuring up, but... They are deep, brooding, and sensitive and tend to reflect on others to see if they were looking down on them. When unhealthy, they become withdrawn, insecure, dependent on family and loved ones for support. Um, Sexual or one-on-one fours are intense and romantic, assertive and expansive. They wrap most of their love around their person. When unhealthy, they demand notice, have intense jealousy, emotionally chaotic, and vengeful. Another thing that's unhealthy that I read about fours is at their unhealthiest, uh, they cultivate this like fantasy life and these like they have a lot of they have a lot of conversations in their head about the you know the way this went or this which we all have conversations in our head but fours really focus in on this at their unhealthiest because of all the emotions they have but they become withdrawn um and they don't use it to grow they kind of sit in that drama but in their head yes that's so interesting i love that that's interesting so do you actually know any fours and if you do do you I guess, what is your experience with them? Because I don't think I have ever interacted. I'm sure I've interacted with fours, but not on a personal level that Mm -hmm. I could speak a lot to this. Yeah, I don't think that I know any fours personally. I follow a couple different fours, like influencers and things like that. But um, I 
I relate a lot to the four, but I don't feel like I relate to, I don't feel like I relate a lot to like the moodiness outwardly. I feel like outwardly I'm more, um, maybe steady. And then inwardly I, f- I feel like a lot of four feelings, but I don't know if I'm a four. I'm still, I'm still trying to decide what I am and read about it because I thought for sure when I, I mentioned this, but when I first um, took the test, I was like, oh, I'm a one. That's good. And I just read about the one. And then as I started like looking into it, I was like, crap, I don't know what I am. So anyway, but um, no, in short, no, I, I don't know any fours, um, but I do know that um, they typically are. I don't know, more emotional is all that I think about, but I would love to meet a four and have a conversation with one um, who right. like, who says, yes, I am a four and this is what drives me and this is how I am and who I am. Yeah, same, same. Um, I think another thing we mentioned to find out your type, you take a test. I don't know if we actually ever said that. Um, There are multiple tests online that you can literally just Google like Enneagram tests and it just gives you, of course, there's like the one that was designed again by the two creators and you can buy it. It's called the R-H-E-T-I Ready um, and you can buy it. But for us who are not going to buy it, we just did the, you know, any of the free (laughs) free tests forever, Um, which again is hard because like me, if you know you're a complete number, it doesn't matter what taste you t- test you take because it's going to point to it. But, it, you know, if you are not a obviously one number, um, you know, the way that questions are worded may be difficult to, you know, they may bring out different different subtypes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a, the initial test that I took was eclecticenergies.com, I think is what it was called. And you can, you can, I think you can take tests and if, if you obviously know what you're like, Dana, you definitely know that you're a seven and that it like lines up so closely with you. Um, for me, I thought, like I had said, I was, thought I was a one. Um, but when I looked at the core motivations, I was like, ah, uh, that's not me. Like I definitely want to be like good and right, but I don't, that's not my core motivation. So, um, I don't know what is, or I'd know my type, but, um, I think the tests are really cool to kind of get you started on maybe what to look for first, but also like if you're like me and you just don't know, it's cool to like really dive deep into each number and kind of see what each one has. I think though, if you've never taken this test, you have to be willing to take it honestly. Um, You have to be willing to just be honest with yourself uh, because I know specifically, I know one person that took it and they're like, oh, I'm I'm this number. And I was like, there's literally no way that you're that number. But you it. want to be that number. They they ended up with a two. And I was like, you're not, you're a, not two. a two. You're not a two because I know your core motivations. I know this person well. And, um, you know, twos are attractive. And think about the way that questions are worded. Like, you will go out of your way to help someone. Who's going to answer no to that? Exactly. No. Who's going to answer like strongly disagree? Like, right. no, I'm not going to answer strongly disagree. I'm going to be like, no, yeah, I do that. Like, I would love to, I would love to, we we all would love to be like that, but that's right. not, so, yeah. So a word to the wise, when you take it, be honest. Like literally if someone actually came up and you want to help them, that's fine. But I know I would not go out of my way for anyone. And being honest about myself helps you really dig down into this because this this will not help you if you're not honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you're really not going to be able to find ways to improve. Yeah, I think um, ultimately when it comes down to it, like, yes, it's interesting and learning about the numbers is interesting. But um, the, the point of this is that it's a tool to grow and to see where you're unhealthy and to like move towards health. And so it's, I think that's when I first 
like started looking at the Enneagram, I was like, oh my gosh, like oh, I need to like figure out what I am so I can tell people what I am. When now I'm kind of looking into each number and saying, oh, I see, like maybe I see this in myself. I want to not see that in myself. So I will like, you know, use that to like change essentially. Or that's, that would be my goal. And that should be our goal um, with, with dealing with the Enneagram. Agree. So that's what we have for our first episode on week one of Enneagram. Next week, we will be doing the head triad. Yes. So which that, is... Yeah, that's the five, six, and seven. So that's... We're going to hit on seven. I'm so excited. I know. This seven over here is so excited, Oh my too. gosh. It's going to be so fun. But yeah, um, it should be... It should definitely be interesting. 